Mom to Mom podcast. We're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood. Of course, we don't have all the answers, but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does. We're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today. Pull up a chair. We're really glad you're here. If you're raising a strong-willed child, you're well aware of it without having anyone tell you. Strong-willed kids aren't bad kids, but they can be incredibly frustrating. They're often smart and confident kids who are able to problem-solve quickly, and they're determined to achieve their goals. Now, although those are great traits, I doubt they're the first things that pop in your mind when you think about your child. The defiance can be exhausting and the disrespect crushing. The weight of it all can exhaust you and become all-consuming. Strong-willed children crave two things, respect and choice. Now, you've dealt with tantrums and angry outbursts, demands to know why, refusing to obey, some of them hear what they want to hear, being overly bossy, and wanting to make things fair. So how do you find out what makes them behave the way they do? What do they need from you to help both of you move forward and build on their strengths? So today, Jamie and September and I are going to chat about this, and I'm hopeful that we will bring you some some tips and some great ideas for how to handle your strong-willed child. So ladies, how do you give a strong-willed child some control over themselves? How do you discern when to let them have their way and when to put your foot down? Well, first I want to say, I hope any mom or even dad listening to the podcast today that has strong-willed children is coming just with a humble heart, but also that they will hear that we've been through this and we've overcome some of it. And sometimes there's really no overcoming, but just kind of navigating. So this episode is for you and maybe you can share it with someone else, but, you know, raising 10 children with all different personalities has allowed me to learn from my mistakes and to gain in wisdom in some of the hardest moments, and to know that one of the greatest assets to mothering and to parenting is to actually mold my children's weaknesses into strengths. And I think that's really important to say when it comes to this episode about strong-willed children, or in this case, their strengths, which we call strong will, or a strong-willed child, those things can be steered into something with great direction, with right tools. And the verses I'm going to share in a minute, although they apply to the tongue from the Bible, They always come to my mind as I've raised a few strong-willed children. The first verse is Psalm 32, 9, and that is, do not be like the horse or mule, which have no understanding. They must be controlled with bit and bridle to make them come to you. Now that seems extreme, but I'm going to kind of unfold that in a minute. And then James 3, 4, this verse comes to my mind most prevalently today on this episode, consider ships as well. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot is inclined. These verses remind me that if our hearts or any heart, strong-willed or not, are inclined to the Lord and his ways and his wisdom, then they can be steered, they can be molded, they can be directed, despite the size of their personality or the strong will that someday could be their biggest asset. And with the inclination of their hearts comes control. We give them the tools. We give them character. We give them understanding. We give them awareness of their words, their choices, their reactions, and their behavior. But letting a strong-willed child have their way isn't a bad thing. The key here for me in raising my strong-willed children was to think of it this way. It all depends on what the purpose and the outcome would be. 
on what their way is. Control to make their own choices, but with direction and wisdom, that's the key, I think. September kind of gave a little preamble for the parent listening who has a strong-willed child. I guess I want to swing the pendulum the other way and speak to the listener who's hearing us say things and might hear in this episode about, you know, pick your battles or Kate framed the question, you know, letting them have their way versus when to put their foot down. And I can just see some moms listening, thinking to themselves, well, they're just kids and you're the adult. They have to listen to you and obey because you are the authority, especially if this person listening doesn't have a strong-willed child. So I guess I just want to say at the outset that while, yes, it is true, as a mom, I am the God-given authority over each of my kids, including the strong-willed child. And as a general rule, they do have to obey me. That's, you know, God-ordained. I can pull out scripture after scripture to prove that point. But I want us all to remember that God doesn't just parent us with blanket statements and formulaic discipline. He knows us intimately and parents each of us in a way that will break us from the bondage of sin, but will also draw us closer to him. And that's going to look differently for each of us. So it's going to look differently for our kids. So I think it's important to remember something we've said a few times on the show and actually September just alluded to, but specifically in light of a strong-willed child, your child's personality, including their strong will is God designed raw material. And it's your job as a parent to help mold that strong will to do great things for God, because the world needs people. God needs people who will dig in their heels for right, who will stand strong against injustice and sin and not cave. So when we talk about letting a strong-willed child have their way or picking battles or whatever phrases you might hear today, we're not talking about just you know giving in and letting a child have tyrannical rule over the house. We're talking about parenting in such a way that we can mold the will but not break the God-designed strength, if that makes sense. So, Kate, to answer your question, I think it depends on what the consequences of the decision will be. If it's something that will bring physical harm or damage or great loss, I think definitely intervene. But if it's something that will just cause an inconvenience, let them decide and then suffer the consequences of the outcome. I think then the consequence is the natural teacher and trainer You're not locked in a power struggle, but the lesson is still learned. I had an actual specific example of that happen this very week. It's in negative, almost negative temperatures here at my house. I think it was in the low 20s here in Minnesota. And I had a little one who didn't want to wear a coat when they went to a friend's house to play. And I was like, well, okay, you get right into the car. I'll drop you off. But you know, your friend might want to play outside and you won't have a coat. So of course his natural response was, oh, I'll be okay. It'll be fine, mom. So I I just let it be. And I dropped him off without a coat. And you know what? He suffered the consequence and the disappointment of not being able to play outside with his friend and having that relationship be a little bit awkward during the playtime when the friend wanted to go outside to play and he couldn't. And he suffered that consequence. And I didn't have to make that a hill I died on. 
Oh, I love that, Jamie. That's a great way to think about it. And and also what you said about the way, what God has for them in the future, what their destiny is. We definitely need strong-willed people, particularly Christians, to stand up against this culture. We know it's getting darker and darker. So those kids, there is a reason God has designed them that way. And you may not see it till they're 18 or 20 and get a sense of this is where they're going. But yeah, I think you want to tread carefully. And the example you used was a perfect example. They'll suffer the consequences. And that's the best way for them to learn. He'll never go without a coat again, because now he learned it. You didn't have to force him to do it or tell him you have to wear a coat. He figured it out. Strong-willed children often want to test your authority, just like with your son not wanting to wear a coat. They want to know if you're worthy of their respect, but how do you teach them that you're the boss and what you say goes? How do you hold on to firm boundaries even as they fight against you? I think you girls would agree with me when I say, I think it's dependent on their age. For young, strong-willed children, I feel that obedience, respect really need to be the primary goals. That has to be something understood and practiced and when they're younger, because otherwise you'll have a very strong-willed child out of control when they're older. So strong-willed children have an ability, though, to see through our expectations. They are able to reason their way around our instructions. They can often identify if our instructions are self-focused for ourselves, and we're giving them rules or instructions that are more convenient for us. And they can often identify if these things actually make sense. They think of those things, strong-willed children. So holding firm boundaries of respect and obedience are vital. I think one of the areas we may miss as parents in the conversation is what the boundaries are. So I feel like giving boundaries and automatically expecting respect and obedience without laying those things out in conversations and giving good communication skills actually sets them and us up for failure. So I feel like if we don't sit down with our children from the beginning or repeatedly, And tell them, this is what the expectations are. When I say to do this, or I ask you to do this, or this is what's happening, this is what the correct response should be. I think we somehow in our minds think, well, they should just know when I tell them to do X, Y, Z. And this is a blanket parenting issue. But when when it comes to strong-willed children, laying out expectations and boundaries repeatedly. Now, some people might think, well, that's just so much work. And they're already really strong-willed. And I'm just getting tired of doing this. That's part of it. I, I we can't take that away. We can't say that this is going to be an easy, you know, lay out the expectation boundaries and then you're done. It's going to be a repeated thing. And that's the work and worth of parenting and motherhood, I think. I think, of course, once those conversations happen and our strong-willed children decide that they have their own ideas, like Jamie was saying with her son, then it really is our reactions that are next to govern the moment from there. So It's not their reactions, their ideas. It's ours. That would be a boundary that we have to put in place. I think follow through is really important. What if a rule is not enforced? That's how strong-willed children see things. So they expect us to give in. They expect us to cave when they push back, when they want to do something their own way. So I feel like follow through is really important. If we say this will happen, we, we really need to follow through because we grow weary. I think sometimes listening to a strong-willed child is important and we get weary of it. So we don't do it as often. Oftentimes I have discovered with my strong-willed children that there's often more to the story than meets the eye. And I have to really listen to get beneath what their reasoning was for doing something. It doesn't mean it was right, but if they know we're listening, 
then it gives them the ability to have confidence in our boundaries and expectations that we give to them. I think enforcement is super important. My husband often tells me this when it comes to our strong willed children that I get tired, I get weak in the enforcement. And, you know, strong willed children, they look for the inch, they look for the hole in our plan. And I think our weakness as parents of strong willed children is not that we haven't given the rules and the boundaries, it's in the execution of the follow through because we grow weary of it because it's every day, every little thing, you know, we want them to wear those two matching socks. They want to wear different socks. Those aren't things to, you know, the hill to die in, but as an example, what is the follow through and what does it look like? And I think this is where those biggest moments that we talk about in grace and motherhood come in for parents and moms of strong willed children. God gives us grace for those moments where we have to enforce our boundaries and our expectations. I think boundaries is exactly what scripture is talking about in, I think it's Ephesians where it says, don't provoke your children to wrath. Like you're setting them up for success when they know ahead of time, preemptively what the boundary is. I think that's excellent September. And I like what you said about hearing them out. I think oftentimes we want to rush to say the right thing and have the right response. So we don't even hear them, especially when it comes to little kids who cannot really articulate well, and it takes them some time to put into words what they're thinking. But I want you to remember that most of the time, strong-willed kids are kids who learn by example or doing. They're not auditory learners. So talking at them and telling them the reasons of X, Y, Z, it's a bad idea only because it's going to fall on deaf ears. They might actually be listening, but they're not learning anything. There's this insatiable itch that a strong-willed child has that has to be scratched. They have to do it in order to learn the lesson. So in whatever way you can, allow them to satiate that itch. But hear me when I say, don't tolerate outbursts, those tantrums. What you want to give into is the desire that they have to master something, to figure something out, to learn by doing. But they have to learn that tantrums and violent outbursts are not okay. They are disrespectful and, you know, they have to know that's not going to be tolerated. So never give into a child who's throwing a tantrum or a fit to get their way. You're just encouraging them to throw another tantrum the next time there's a power struggle. Also be sure that you're not reacting to the request or their tantrum with another adult tantrum of your own. You know, they're going to learn by example. So don't match outburst for outburst. Give them a moment to calm down. Sometimes that means, you know, saying you need to go to your room in order to calm down. And then you can come back and we can talk about this calmly and respectfully, but give them an opportunity to make the request like September was saying to hear them out and see maybe there is more to the story. Now, I realize that sometimes decisions have to be made in the spur of the moment, and you don't always have time to find out the reason. Maybe you can't always hear some long dissertation about why this is a good idea, but that's where those small yeses come into play. When we can pick our battles and say yes whenever possible, we're actually growing their trust, and they know that your no is important when it's saved for those important things. I would like to add to this because I'm thinking sometimes, Jamie, you and I specifically in this podcast are thinking about the long hours we have with our kids and training at home. So we give our children more opportunities to do what they want creatively, 
to, you know, because they have that itch to do things their own way, we have the opportunities to kind of navigate them and guide them. But I'm thinking specifically because now I work at a hybrid homeschooling center, students that come in, I can identify and see their strong will. They are, I can see their lovely, smart, intelligent, going to be strong leader children. But in a classroom setting and structure, and for parents who are sending these strong willed kids off to school, there is value in those kids, all of our kids realizing that although their ideas may be great and they have the desire to do these things, there is an authority and a respect that has to be in place for a strong-willed child because in a classroom setting or any structure, youth group, workforce, wherever they go, they have to remember to, to their ideas aren't always primary and we can't always allow them to share their opinion or do things their own way despite being strong, you know, respect and boundaries, like respect and obedience have to be primary. I think you'd agree with that. Absolutely. I think that's where that muscle memory comes into play. Like if we're parenting for the long haul and we're parenting in moments that we're capitalizing on moments that we can capitalize here at home and helping them develop that muscle memory of obedience, then it will transfer into the classroom. And I completely agree. I was just having a conversation online with some women about how homeschooled kids specifically can sometimes be the most ill-behaved children in public settings just simply because they're not taught or they don't have as many opportunities to practice, you know, communal organization. And that as homeschool moms, we need to be rightfully aware of that and provide opportunities for them to do that and test those skills. So that does become muscle memory. I completely agree. September. Yeah. Um, since we brought up tantrums, I just want to see if you ladies have some tips when you're out to dinner and one of your children throws a tantrum because they don't like something they ordered or for whatever reason, or you're on the playground or you're shopping. How do you handle that when you can't send them to their room, but they're causing a disturbance in that public place? What, how have you handled that in the past? Oh, I've had a lot of experience with this and I can't say I did it right every time, but I think I, depending on the situation, two things come to my mind immediately. I haven't had to deal with this in a couple of years, but except for with a teenager and I had to deal with it, which is different than a toddler. I do want to say, so with a teenager, you can use words and speak and say, we will deal with this later or remove them from the situation. When you have a toddler and you're in the middle of a situation, let's say you're in the grocery store and you're checking out, you can't just remove yourself from the situation. It's not always ideal. And so I've been on the other side of this and seen these things happen in stores where parents, you know, I could just tell the mom is exasperated and she's having a hard time with the tantrum of a child. I've also seen the situation as I've moved through the store where I could see this building because the parent didn't have boundaries and expectations from the beginning on the flip side. And I knew what the end result would be. And that was a tantrum. So I think sometimes we create these situations and sometimes these situations happen and we have no control. So I think it's good to remember that there's different situations like that, that we observe and that we find ourselves in. Most of the time I deal with it later. I won't deal with something in, in time. Sometimes I've actually left the situation and taken my children to the car or just taken them home, removed them from play dates, things like that. So I, um, with teenagers, I think it's a little different because they know the boundaries and expectations. And I think sometimes when we do episodes like this, a lot of times we're speaking to young moms who have strong will children, but you know, the strong will children don't lose their strong will 
as teenagers, they still have it. We're just still dealing with it on a different level. It doesn't mean they're bad children. It's just, we deal with things very differently. So when I speak to the episode and I'm speaking to all different age groups, but you know, I have a lot of teenagers now. Yeah. I think whenever possible to, you know, when you need to leave the situation, leave the situation. I've been that mom in the grocery store who's left her entire cart right in the aisle to go deal with a, a toddler who's throwing a tantrum, but then return to the situation, repeat what the expectations are and return. Otherwise the toddler is winning when you leave because they don't want to be there in the first place. That's usually why they're throwing the tantrum to begin with. So return and say, we're going to try this again. And this is what you are going to do. Here's what I expect and have them even repeat that back. If they're articulate enough to do that, what you expect of them with one caveat, when there are other siblings involved, When you immediately remove everyone from the situation, what can often happen is those other siblings begin to really form some negative opinions about their strong-willed sibling. They see them as the one who's always ruining everything for them. And then you're causing some sibling derision. And so whenever possible, like, you know, you mentioned being in a restaurant and having a toddler throwing a, a tantrum in a restaurant. It is unfortunate for the parents who are just trying to sit through an evening meal and have a lovely conversation. But I think at that point, one parent needs to decide, I will remove this child and we will go out and sit in the car and wait for the rest of you to finish your meal. That way you're dealing with the child while not punishing the rest of the children, if that makes sense. That's great advice because I think that's just an area you don't know what to do. One's screaming and the rest are going to, you know, they're going to have to forfeit their fun or their meal. So that's great advice, Jamie. Hey there, mama. I just want to jump in here for a second to tell you about a resource that will help you build independence and autonomy in your tweens and teens. For the past year, I've been sending my older ones out the door with a gab phone. Whether they're going out to do yard work for the neighbor down the street or heading to the library on their bike, They can just slip their phone into their pockets and give me peace of mind, knowing that I can get a hold of them when I need to. I've always been a bit hesitant to give my teens a cell phone because I didn't want them to have access to the internet, or more importantly, for the internet to have access to them. But that always seemed to pose a real problem when they had to babysit at someone else's house or when they wanted to go play basketball at the park. But not anymore. With the Gab phone, they can have the best of both worlds. A little bit of freedom with plenty of safeguards. A Gab phone looks and feels like a smartphone, but isn't connected to the internet in any way. A tween or teen can call, they can text, take pictures, and even listen to music, but that's it. For the most part, the phone acts just like an MP3 player with calling and texting capability. If you two are interested in purchasing a dumb phone that looks and feels like a smartphone for your kids, you can head to gabwireless.com and use coupon code mom to mom at checkout. That's gabwireless.com, mom to mom in all capital letters. September, I want to ask you this. Is there a way to say things differently when your child's having an, an issue? For example, a phrase that will trigger a strong-willed child might be, well, do it my way or you're not doing it. Are there better ways a parent can express what they want their child to do without utterly frustrating them? I do have two things I want to say, but first I want to say 
sometimes our inclination as parents is how am I supposed to keep up with all of this? How do I remember what to say to who? Why don't I have to find a different way? Why can't they just listen? I've said those things. I've said those things in frustration to my husband. I don't understand why I have to parent them differently than everyone else. It's exhausting. Yes, those things are all true. And yes, those things are necessary because they are an individual person. So I think just knowing that before we parent children like this, it's very important to understand that, that the exhaustion is real. The extra work is real and they are unique. And that is why. So here's an example. I've learned to say to those couple strong will children that I have, I want you to do X, Y, Z. So let's say I want you to do such and such because I told you to, I don't use that way as much anymore with those children. I say something like this today, your responsibilities will be to do X and Y and Z. And you have until such and such time to get those things done. The difference is I told you to, for some reason, that is a trigger to children of strong will, even though we want them to have respect and authority. When we give them the responsibilities, reframe it, this is what you are responsible for. They kind of realize like, oh, I have to do these things. And it's not, I'm doing them for my mom. It's a very interesting thing in the brain. And this is something I struggled with for many years while I'm catering to their inability to be obedient. It's really not that. It's that we are now turning the ownership over to them. It's not, you're doing this for me. I want this done. It's Your responsibilities today are this, and you have until X, Y, Z to get them done, which is really the truth, right? Mm -hmm. The second thing that I have refrained is this four word saying, because I said so. This is what I say. You know the correct response to this and why I'm telling you to do this. You can choose to obey and have consequences for disobeying and not listening. And it's not about my way. It's about what is right and what is going to be the best thing next taking it off of us and putting in their own ownership, helping them to think futuristically is huge with strong-willed children. They have to think about why am I doing this? What is going to happen if I don't? What is going to happen if I do? If we say, because I said so, well, my mom said so, so I know better. It's really, they are wise in their own eyes, but we kind of have to grow them out of that to help them realize that wisdom comes in authority but they can also think of things on their own. I think that's the biggest key to strong-willed children that they have to begin to think about wisdom and what it means for themselves. Yeah, that's a great point, September. Is there a way to use your authority yet still let them feel as if they have a choice? Because that's such a big thing for strong-willed children. They want to feel like they have a choice. How do you manage that? I think be as preemptive as you can to allow for small choices. You know, For instance, if you're playing at the park, Instead of just saying, hey, it's time to go, get your stuff, let's go. Well, that might be true. It might be time to go. But if you're preemptive and say, oh, we have to go in five minutes. So I want you to pick the last thing that you want to do. And then we're going to get going. Do you see we're still leaving at the same time? I've just preemptively told them five minutes ahead of time. We're going to get going. But you can choose what's the last thing you do. Or if you have a child who consistently refuses to eat what you serve at the dinner table, you know, I'm not a short order cook. I make one meal and this is what we eat. Let your child help you plan the menu that week. And then when you serve something and he begins to turn his nose up at it, you can remind him that, hey, you helped pick this meal out. And even just that reminder can sometimes trigger a, oh, that's right. And and they'll start eating. 
I can speak to what September was saying. I don't consider myself a strong-willed person. I wasn't a strong-willed child, although maybe my mom would argue differently. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but there is something in me, and, and I would argue something in all of humanity, that tends to bristle when they're told to do something. I can, you know, read a book for the sheer enjoyment of reading a book and finish it and turn the last page. But somehow when you tell me I have to read that book, I might do it, but I might not enjoy it as much. The action, the completion is the same, but my heart attitude is not. And it's because of sin. And it's because of, you know, a fallen world that we live in and we're all imperfect people. So we have to remember that our children have that same innate sin quality and the enemy wants to, you know, steer that strong will in the wrong way. So I think just to sum up two things, find ways to put a choice into the hard and fast decision whenever possible, because that's going to satiate their need to make a decision. Even if the decision is really small, like their part of the decision is minuscule, they'll feel some sort of control in being able to make that small decision. And then let them suffer the natural consequences of that decision. Do not take away, don't pad it, don't pad their consequence, don't sterilize it, let them fall, sorry to say this, flat on their face and suffer the natural consequence because that's where the learning comes in for a strong-willed child. I think too often, you know, we don't want to see our child hurt or in pain or suffering consequences, so we sort of lessen the fall for them, but they're never going to learn if we do not let them experience the full weight and gravity of the decisions that they have made. That's so good. And so true. And for me, just as you're talking about, you know, someone tells you to read a book for me, it's not so much telling me what to do. It's telling me how to do it. That frustrates me. And then I don't want to do it their way. I want to do it my way. I want to control it, you know, especially when it comes to cooking. (laughs) I don't want to call out my husband, but he has a way to do it. And I'm very different. I'm messy in the kitchen. I'm not neat. It, you know, things like that, that he's trying to tell me how to do it. And I, I do bristle, but I'm learning to just go with the flow. Say, honey, you're right. Let me try it your way. But it's not easy. And you're a grown adult yeah. woman who's been on the planet, yeah. you know, having to listen to other people's how to's for, you know, X number of years. Yeah. So how much more difficult right. it is for that five or six year old, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And they do want choice. That's one of the things about the strong-willed child. All right, ladies, a strong-willed child often needs to know why. What are some strategies to convince them that you respect their intelligence and not insult it? How can you solve a problem together? Just a few things that I've said to my children over the course of time is, for example, I would say, I'm sure you have some great ideas, but right now we're going to do it this way. And that's usually in a moment where there is not time to have that conversation. Mm. And then I say, when we have more time, I'd love to hear your ideas, but that is not right now. I think we have to remember that there's two different scenarios. Usually there's immediacy where they don't have the option for to share their ideas. And so that's a really great response. I've, I've actually said that a lot, especially to teenagers. Like I want them to know I hear them, but sometimes I have to say, that's just not right now, but I do want to hear your ideas. So let's, let's talk about that later. Another thing I say is, what do you think would be a better way to handle this in the future? And I think that's the key word in the future so that they know there's a hopeful resolution that I'm willing to listen. And I kind of really want to hear what they have to say. 
I think not giving opportunities to not listen gives them an opportunity to be wise in their own eyes. And I think that's the most thing I'm most careful with when raising strong-willed children is, yes, they are smart. Yes, they have great ideas. But when we allow them to do things their way on repeat, they become very wise in their own eyes. That's part of the strong will. And when I say wise in their own eyes, I, I think, you know, the Bible talks about this, but there's often confusion in that. Wise in their own eyes would look like a child thinking that they are wiser than you or any adult. So they do what they want. And no matter what you say, they still, by their actions or their attitudes, are, you know, listening to you, but they really believe that they're smarter than you. Sometimes you can't take that away. You can't remove that right away. But working on humility and respect and kindness and obedience, all of those character issues, I feel that those kind of notch away at the concept that they are wiser than someone else. And I think humility is a huge part of this as, as they grow into teenagers and adults. I say lean heavily on your routines, especially when you have younger kids. But I think when you establish those routines, they will carry over to the teenage years. So lean heavily on routines, not necessarily rules. And, and really a routine isn't in itself a rule in that it's a boundary but it gives a sense of safety without feeling confining because strong-willed kids want to have control in their day. And if their days are chaotic and sporadic and your house is just in upheaval all the time because you have not set up good routines and good boundaries, that leaves them no choice but to forge their own way. And that's where the power struggles ensue. But if you have set up some good routines and if your home has a sense of order and calm, you're kind of leaving less opportunity for them to make a plan of their own that may or may not be a good one. Refer to the routine whenever you have to you know, come back with a consequence. Say, remember, after we have lunch, you're going to pick out a book for us to read together and then it will be time for a nap. That's the routine. It's the routine every single day. So really, when there gets to be a power struggle, you can point back to the routine. It's not really you. It's the routine. This is what we do every single day. That's good, Jay. I like that. Interestingly, I found this very fascinating. Many strong-willed children have wounded hearts. For some reason, their self-esteem is suffering, and they're likely very aware that they're hard to get along with. One of their biggest fears is that they'll lose your love and you'll give up on them. So how do you assure them that they will never lose your love in spite of behavior that frustrates and confounds you? Well, I think this goes back to what Jamie, you just said. I think that children who don't have routine, they don't have security. They end up finding that in their own strength and power and will. And that's what helps enable or empower a strong-willed child. They actually use that to create their own safe space. They are in control. That's part of the scenario I see in other children. I think sometimes too, you just have a strong-willed child and they have bad behavior and it has to be addressed. You know, I'm thinking through all the scenarios with my kids from, you know, toddlers where they would dump the crayons out and refuse to pick them up. And I would spend hours on trying to follow through and get them to pick up the crayons and very pivotal moments in my kids' bad behavior. So I think we have bad behavior, strong-willed children, and then we have children who become very strong-willed out of the need to have security routine. They have leaned on their own devices for the need of security routine, and that's how they become so wise in their own eyes. So I think there's a few different scenarios that come into play. And then, of course, we have children that just have behavioral issues who are very strong-willed, And um, sometimes there's more that goes into that, but 
for my strong-willed children, they do frustrate me. They confound me. In spite of all that, I have noticed one very interesting thing. They are very loyal children. They are the children who will come back and love you well. They, they are loyal. They will love you well because of your boundaries, because of your expectations. They respect that strong fortitude of follow through. And they're the children that come to me with the most repentant hearts because it's actually something that gives them comfort and security is the expectations and boundaries. And like you said, routine, Jamie, it really does help them. Uh, So what I've done for my children is I always circle back after moments of conflict. So there's usually conflict in my home with my strong will children every single day here. I can't avoid it. No matter what I do in the situation and the list we've mentioned today, it's going to happen because that's who they are. And so I always circle back though. At the end of the day, I circle back and say, you know, when that happened today, I want to talk about that. Do you understand why I had to tell you no or why you had to do X, Y, Z? I think it's really important because they feel that you're disapproving. That's what a strong-willed child feels, that you disapprove of them. Really, you're just disapproving of their behavior. And I think we need to clarify that for those children. So I always circle back. I try to acknowledge their ideas and their uniqueness. And I always say, you know, someday this character quality, you wanting to do things well, you wanting to do things this way, you having great ideas is going to be a very strong asset for you. But in the meantime, we need to work on X, Y, Z. And I want you to know, I see those things, but you're not quite there yet. And I think this last thing is the most important thing and something I've learned as a mom is we need to really be careful to shine the light on who God made them and not good things or bad things that they do. So those are just exterior behaviors. We have to remember that sometimes strong-willed children will also do really great things. So we're like, you are the best, you know, bike rider, skateboard than all the other kids, you know? So I think it's careful. We have to be careful not to create a child that is so full of themselves to be careful of self-glorification of a strong-willed child is one of the worst things we can do to focus on their identity and who they are in God, rather than the bad or the good that they do. It's very important that those things do not become their identity. I just wanted to mention that September, what you're talking about, not necessarily telling them they're the best skateboarder or anything like that, but I go back to the Kathy Cook episode where she talked about the eight great smarts for kids and to figure out what their smart is and to praise that. And also, like you were saying, how how God made them, this is how God made them. There are good things about it and there are difficult things about it, but to to go to those, I think that's a great episode for people to listen to, to remind them of the smarts that their child has and the different way that, that they're going to express that. And we'll link to that episode in the show notes if you're curious, or if for whatever reason you missed that particular episode, you can head to the link. I actually just want to give some encouragement to the moms of the strong-willed kids. I think we've focused so much on the child that I, I feel like the mom of the strong-willed child often gets quite a lot of judgment from other moms. Mm -hmm. I think many moms think they have a strong-willed kid until they're actually face-to-face with one because every child has their own unique personality and every child has their own opinions. And, you know, through the toddler years, most kids want to exert their own rights and their own strength. 
And so it's easy for a lot of moms to think, oh yeah, I have a strong-willed kid. But when you are face-to-face with an actual strong-willed kid, you can see the stark difference. And I think of a woman I know who has the strongest of strongest-willed kids I've ever met. And she also has three other kids. And she's parented them, you know, obviously uniquely in individual situations. But as a general rule, she's the same parent to all of them. The house rules are all the same. And yet this one strong-willed child has a very strong will. And I remember she spent years feeling berated and judged by other moms. Like, why can't you just get your child in order? Or, you know, why are you letting them have their will? Why aren't you dealing with X, Y, Z? And she felt horrible. Still this day, she talks about specific instances. I remember sitting in a large meeting of women for a ministry thing where all the children were in sort of like a childcare situation. And the, the childcare supervisor comes marching in to all of us women and looked right at her and pointed a finger and said, your child is da, 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 da. And she felt horrible and she felt judged. I just want you to know if you have a strong-willed child, you are seen today. It is not easy. It is a daily struggle and it's daily refinement for you. It's God designed that your child has you as a parent, but on the flip side, it's God designed that you have that child as a child. And there's something about their strong will that God knows you need to. It's not easy, mama but you are seen today by us, but mostly by Elroy, the God who sees. Amen to that, Jamie. You know, it's a journey raising a strong-willed child, but remember, if it's hard for you, it's hard for them too. You can't easily make them do what they don't want to do, but you can help them channel their energy positively rather than frustrating and crushing them. Cheer them on when you see them making the attempt to be obedient. You know, children who easily comply need praise and encouragement, obviously, but the strong-willed child even more so. So we want to thank you for joining us today. I think this is a really important episode, and I hope that if you know someone that has a strong-willed child, that you'll share it with them, not in a condemning way, but in a, hey, this might be really helpful. Now, remember, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and you can subscribe to and like and follow our podcast. We would love for you to do that. But we so appreciate you taking the time to listen today. And, and I hope you've learned some things. I, I've, I've gotten so much wisdom out of this episode. So I hope it blessed you. Thanks for joining us.